everybody. Welcome back to Driving to the Basket. I am Mike. I am here with Dante and Tommy. This is going to be part three in our draft series. Today, we are going to be discussing uh, the number two favorite prospect of all three of us. That is Jalen Green. But first off, uh, Dante, Tommy, how are you guys doing today? I'm excited. I love Jalen Green. I'm excited to be able to talk about him. I've been waiting for this. And if you'll notice, we're kind of going in like incremental order of who we like the best generally. So this is going to be hopefully an optimistic one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm very excited to talk about Jalen Green. Uh, I, I've I've been I probably watched more G League games than I did t- college games in total, and Jalen's just impressed me so much. So I'm very very excited. Gotcha. Yeah. So the fact that we all like Jalen Green shouldn't be taken as that this is just going to be an episode full of praise about him. I, I think we all have concerns. I might have the most in the way of concerns, but uh, we'll of course get to that. Uh, but first, we are going to hear a quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings. All right, guys. So today we're going to be telling you about DraftKings Sportsbook. It's my favorite sportsbook. My friends and family love it. It's America's top rated one as well. There's tons to do, tons to bet on. They got a great new promotion going on right now. Basically, you're going to pick any team still in the NBA playoffs. And if they win that game, you're going to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. And it's not just basketball. They offer promotions on baseball, hockey, so much more all week long. It's safe, secure, reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you'll claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And with that being said, let's get back to the episode. All right. Quick summary on Jalen Green. So Jalen Green is a six foot five shooting guard. Well, you can just call him a guard these days in the NBA. Uh, if you're not a straight point guard, then you're more or less just a guard. Uh, so six foot five, six foot seven and a half wingspan, 178 pounds. He'll be just past 19 and a half when next season starts. He's a prototypical, highly athletic shooting guard. He's a guy who's going to couple excellent speed, excellent explosiveness, fantastic quickness, leaping ability off both feet, agility, ability to, to, to change speeds and direction. He's just fantastic at that. With good handles and top-notch scoring sense to be just tremendous as a scorer in transition and, and very difficult to stop as a downhill scorer in the half court. He's a promising shooter and overall shot creator. He's a guy who can be effective both on and off the ball. He tends to know where to move, where to be. He's always a lob threat because of how explosive he is off of two feet. He's mentally adaptive. He's quick to improve, as he showed during his stint with the G League Ignite. Playing, it should be noted, against competition in the G League that is significantly more difficult than any of the NCAA prospects faced. So uh, what he needs to work on, consistency and polish as a shooter. Uh, on the development of an in-between game, he just doesn't really have any right now. Not a good mid-range shooter. That does not really have anything in the way of a floater. Hasn't had to yet. He needs to uh, work on his reads with regards to taking the right shots and, and making the right passes on his overall acumen as a playmaker, his overall acumen as a defender, and upon gaining strength. Because at, at 178 pounds and, and six foot five, he's pretty thin. He's not the kind of guy I would say. Uh, I know we talked a lot about Mobley being thin. I, I don't think he's... He's he's thin in the same way as Evan Mobley, but he definitely needs to add some strength at the NBA level. Whatever the case, uh, I would say that if he brings everything together, this guy projects as a superstar scorer who would be very, very difficult to stop. His floor, of course, significantly lower than that, but we'll talk about that. So let's get rolling. Uh, I would say, uh, Tommy, I know Jalen Green has, has been one of your favorites from the very beginning. Uh, what do you like most about him? Yeah, so I was very interested to see what Jalen Green would become because I liked his player archetype. Uh, superstar potential type guards who can theoretically be like your 1A scorer. We've talked about this in the past few episodes. That is exactly what the Pistons needs. That's what every team needs, you know, a lead scoring guard. But uh, the fact that we have an opportunity here uh, to maybe get that guy was just very exciting to me. So uh, from the beginning, I was, you know, watching these G League Ignite games, even when Jonathan Kaminga was kind of like the – the golden child of that program. Uh, I, I kept my eyes on Korean for the most part because uh, the 
the, the size and just the variety of ways that he scores is just fantastic. I think the most impressive thing when you watch Green is just the way that he is able to create for himself. It's in two different ways. You you, you mentioned the mid-range isn't there yet. And while you know a lead scorer should be able to create from all three levels, uh, the at-the-basket stuff and the perimeter work are both excellent in my mind. The, the at-the-basket stuff especially. Jalen Green is such a creative player at the hoop. It's it's mind-boggling sometimes just how he manages to to get there. Like <laughs> we made the comp to Giannis earlier. We were just watching some of his highlights. Uh, Giannis does these crazy moves where he uses his length and burst and athleticism to get to the hoop, and he just takes off way sooner than you would expect. Like way sooner than you think is possible, and that's what Jalen Green does right now. The creativity that he shows at the at the basket is just it's not just incredible to watch it's just a lot of fun and the pistons need that right now so uh, as far as my favorite thing about jalen green it's got to be the at the hoop stuff like there's just so much potential there he's going to be a nightmare for the defense because he just has so many different ways he can score there so uh, as far as my number one thing that i like about jalen green it's got to be that the the versatility and the promise that he shows as a guy who can just create for himself and get to the hoop and get those you know those high percentage shots yeah, I love that you talked about his finishing at the basket because, quite honestly, I don't know if there's a prospect, uh, certainly not in this draft, maybe not even in the past couple drafts, who has highlights <laughs> quite like his. Like Jalen is so much fun to watch, and he's he's exceptionally talented. That becomes apparent within the first like ten seconds of watching him. His burst is ridiculous, both you know on the ground and in the air. Um, he gets up, he attacks the basket. He's incredibly creative when he gets there, and. It's, it's, it's kind of funny because if you watch some of his G League games, you'll notice that like a lob to the shooting guard is like a legitimate play that his team would run. You know, it was it was a legitimate way to score. He's that explosive. He's that ferocious when he attacks the basket. And honestly, those physical tools and, and that level of talent combined with what I would call a really great scorer's mentality it's it wouldn't surprise me if you know he's in contention for like some scoring titles in his prime he's that good of a player he's there there's so much more to be said about him but as far as like my number one thing that I like it's just the fact that he's such a varied scorer he's so explosive he's so talented that I can't even put like a cap I can't even put a ceiling on what his potential as a scorer is because he has so many tools at his disposal I would say for my parts well, there, there are really a few things uh, to put these in a couple of different categories. I mean, number one is the practical stuff. Uh, I think he, I agree with you, Dante, absolutely. I think he has the the capacity is just, uh, if he puts everything together as a nearly unstoppable scorer, he's he's very, very, I mean, just, just the, and Tommy, you already said this, the sheer acuity he has as a scorer at the basket, even before you take his just tremendous athleticism into account. I mean, the guy just has a great touch around the basket. Uh, and then you put his athleticism into the equation. I mean, this guy, he, he, if you let him get up to full speed, particularly if he's attacking from off the ball, uh, he will get into the paint. He'll take off like, I don't know, like two and a half feet off of one foot, two and a half feet inside the, the free throw line. He's got tremendous hang time and he knows how to use it. Very difficult to stop him. And I think it'll get more difficult uh, when he puts on more strength. And, and can absorb contact better and can probably explode better off of uh, both one and two feet. And if you add a, a the three point shot to that, so he can attack closeouts and you, uh, you add an in-between game. I mean, basically this is a guy who could become impossible to defend. And, and of course that's, you know, that's something that every team is looking for. We've said it over and over again on this show, the, the best player, if the Pistons, their next championship team, if that's, if that's uh, uh, something that is, is coming anytime soon, that the, well, even if it's coming in the future, the best player on that team has not has not yet been added to the roster. So uh, I think Jalen Green could have that that capacity as that superstar creator that every team needs. Uh, beyond that, uh, I am impressed at his smarts and his ability to learn and improve. So I think it, it bears reiteration that the NBA G League is difficult. I, I know it gets this image as the minor league where just the guys who can't cut it go. But the fact is that it's still a very difficult league, like a very, very difficult league. You could take the G league and, and call it like the second or third most difficult basketball league in the world, depending on how you think about the Euro, uh, the Euro league. 
it's a very high quality, uh, very, very high level of, of, of competition and considerably higher than the NCAA. So uh, Jalen went in, he was a little raw at first. This wasn't a long season in the G League bubble, but he made considerable progress, really, almost across the board. Uh, he adapted very quickly. He learned very quickly. That's a great characteristic in, in a player, since a lot of them really is just what you see is what you get, and they don't have the ability to think outside of basically what they have already experienced. So I, I think that's a fantastic characteristic that will suit him well in the NBA, and it's not one that should be taken for granted. It, it's one that you see amongst the best players in the league, guys who are just always learning and adapting and, and have not only the ability but the willingness to do so. And the third is sort of... Uh, just purely talking from a fan perspective, uh, he's a guy who can, and, and you know, draft somebody for this reason. I'll just, I'll just say that, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's just something I think about or I have thought about when it comes to green. He is super exciting to watch the guy who can really bring fans out of their seats. And I'll say watching these playoffs with the fans back in the seats and the fans just really, I mean, the fans in this, in these, in these playoffs have really been something else. And I, I think it's because they, they haven't, you know, they weren't able to to, uh, to to be at games for a while. And then after that, only in small numbers. And now that the arenas are packed again and the fans are, are, are pretty crazy, especially in places like Utah. And, and it just makes me think to the Pistons. Like the Pistons have some work to do, even when they become good, to rebuild a core fan base uh, that has just been driven away to, in, in its largest parts from it from its heights uh, during the, the going-to-work era by many years of incompetent management and mediocrity and lack of success and nothing to be excited about. And a guy like Jalen Green can go a long way toward toward bringing those people back. Uh, I just I just really look forward to the day, put it this way, when the Pistons have that sort of really loud, uh, dedicated fan base that they once had. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Jalen Green is absolutely electric because not only is he just so fantastic at the hoop, like he's he's definitely a creative scorer. He's added some pretty impressive moves on the perimeter and. Like you guys know that double that double step back that Harden and Curry can pull. Jalen Green added that halfway through the G League season, and he does it and well. You, yeah, you talked yeah. about the rapid improvement over the course of the season. That's just one of the things uh, that he just not randomly, but like it was like out of nowhere. It's like when did he have that? Because even coming into the G League season, he wasn't known to be a good three point shooter. Like I tried finding stats on him. There was a there was a U eighteen tournament that he had done with uh, Team USA. He shot 27% from three there. And then in the G League, he boosted that all the way up to 36.5. So uh, increasing his versatility, and that certainly is going to be a big part of uh, the opportunities that he's able to get for himself at the hoop. Uh, that's going to be huge for Jalen Green. And I'm, I'm really happy. That was certainly one of the things that I was looking for uh, as he came into the year. And he certainly didn't disappoint there uh, because he he really did you know pick up certain facets of his game and you talked about the difficulty of the G League i'm really happy that he opted to go with that route because i think in the college level he might have relied on his athleticism a bit more and it would have been maybe highlights and easier buckets for him but in the G League they play a slower more methodical game you know he a lot of the guys on his team were a bit older they brought the ball off the court slowly they had to execute and Jalen wasn't able to just rely on you know straight line speed against all these guys because they're still very smart, competent defenders who are going to do their best to stay in front of him. And even though he's most, for the most part, the most athletic guy on the court at all times, uh, it's still something that he has to play around. And in that sense, I think it was good for him learning his game and uh, improving in the half court because we know he's excellent in transition. You know, he's he's an upper tier athlete from day one, but learning to play the smarter game. I'm, I, that was one of the things I wanted to see from him. And I think he certainly showed that. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't even think electric really does it justice. I think that green is, especially when he's like in the zone, you know, like he just decides that he wants to take over a game with a scoring output. He really makes the impossible possible. Like there are times and, you know, we've talked about how the best part of his offensive game really is, is him attacking the basket. And he will literally be surrounded by three, sometimes four guys bigger than him, taller than him, jumping to block. And he'll find a way to make a play, whether it's finishing or whether it's, you know, there's a particular highlight. I don't remember who he was playing against, but if you've watched a Jalen Green highlight tape, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where he was absolutely smothered midair. And he kind of, he managed to thread the needle and pass to a wide open guy right underneath the basket. It's, it's surreal. Like he's, he's just a magician up there. And when you watch these all time greats, like I'm talking all time great players 
um, score in such a varied amount of ways. Like you go watch highlights of legends, you know, green, green is right up there in his ability as a prospect to finish at the basket. He's it's wonderful. It's wonderful. His ability to do that. And I think it's funny that we talk about how he has near exponentially improved, um, across the G league season. I would say not just skill wise. He actually, he, he's a pretty thin guy, like in his frame. And I don't think that he's done develop. Well, it's not just, I don't think I, I'm pretty positive that he's not done developing physically. And I think he could put on some mass. I think he could put on some muscle and who's to say that he couldn't get even a little bit faster, even a little bit more explosive while carrying that skill set in a bigger frame. So really the potential that he shows right now is through the roof. And we don't even know what his body is going to look like at 23, 24, 25. Like the ceiling on this guy is unspecified. I can't, I can't put, um, you know, I can't put a, uh, a prediction to it because I really don't know how good that he can be on the offensive end. Yeah. There was a play that I was thinking of. Uh, you talk about how he needs to put, maybe he will put on more weight in the future. Right now he, he plays the physical game, uh, even at 178 pounds or whatever it is. Uh, he is so like fearless. He, he goes in and he attacks these guys. And there's a play that I was thinking of in particular where he cuts along the right baseline he gets to the hoop and there's a defender that walls up perfectly, you know, straight up and down, hands straight up in the air. And Jalen gets stopped there, but he still goes up for the shot. And maybe you could say that this is, you know, this kind of leads into maybe one of the, the negatives of Jalen Green. But uh, this is just one of those incredible highlight plays that you're just like, how did he manage to do this? Jalen Green goes up against this defender. He tries to go left with it, he tries to go right. There's nothing there. And then as he's falling back to the ground, he lifts his his feet up so he has a little bit more time before he gets to the ground, puts up the shot from like five, six feet away, and it goes in. You know, it's it looks like the most impossible, incredibly tough shot ever, and he, he, he manages to do it. Like his balance especially, we haven't even talked about that, both at the rim and on his shots are just – it's just excellent. You know, he plays with so much poise and confidence, and, you know, he just looks like a lead scorer. You know, he takes those shots. Yeah, I he did, but I mean, it's very, it's definitely very impressive that he manages to do this despite having a very slight frame. Like he manages still to absorb contact. I mean, at the G League level, certainly things get more difficult in the NBA, uh, which will make it important. Of course, it's important in general for him to gain strength. But uh, but even at the G League level, playing against good players, he is able to absorb contact very well and still score. And he definitely his IQ at the rim is, is just fantastic. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, that's something you can't teach. It's something he's got. And I mean, the guy shot nearly 70% in the restricted area. I think better than 70% in the restricted area in the G league. And that, that's, I mean, that's really just a testament to, to, to just how good he is at that. I mean, he's just extremely gifted. Now, another thing I like about him is that he definitely can play both on and off the ball. You have some players who certainly lose a great deal of utility when you take them off the ball. I don't think Jalen Green will be one of those players. So on the ball, you can run him in the pick and roll, of course. You can run him in isolation or, you know, really whatever typical things you do with an on-ball player. But in isolation, he has he has some work to do and in the pick and roll as well because he's he doesn't make the greatest reads. But you can definitely – he might improve. I think he will improve. But – you can so you can play him heavily on the ball if you want. You can also play him, I believe, off the ball with an equal or maybe even slightly greater degree of utility. So he moves just very well off the ball. The fact that he accelerates so quickly, can change direction so quickly, makes him very difficult to cover, uh, particularly if he goes around a screen. And so it's, he's just very good at getting open. I mean, whether it be it be cuts. Where you know if he's slash if he's cut into the baskets, his defender is going to have a hard time staying with him. He is a perpetual lob threat. I mean, a guy is an excellent leaper off of two feet. If he gets ahead of his defender and if he has a guy capable of getting him the ball, I mean that's that's always going to be in his toolbox. But also, you can just run plays for him that basically involve just getting him the ball at the three point line. Uh, and if his defender is a few steps short, then he just curls and goes toward the basket, and good luck stopping him. If his defender is still inside the arc, he has to try to close out on, on, on Jalen, and then Jalen will just curl around him anyway. And at that point, again, it's like good luck stopping him. So it's just it's a valuable trait to have. And and, and honestly, I just there was there was one play that uh, that I watched of his in the G League, which was uh, he 
I think he curled around the screen, whatever the case, he got the ball at the three point line with his defender closing in on him. And he just went left on the guy and, and took off just inside the three points inside the free throw line. And you know, that, that was it. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's nobody who was going to stop him at that point. So it, it's just that that's a very good quality to have being, being equally useful on and off the ball. But, uh, and of course it's, it's, I think it merits mention his potential as a scorer. Uh, he was a fairly good three point shooter in the G league, uh, not the greatest pull up shooter. That's a good skill to have, but he, he showed promise. He's got a good stroke. He's got good touch. Now, if the guy is able to add the pull-up three to his game, uh, now you have to go over screens on him all the time. And if you have to go over a screen on Jalen Green, you're pretty much screwed because you're never going to catch him. So if he manages to add that to his game, I mean, the guy just has has the potential, if he brings this all together, to become virtually impossible to guard. And virtually impossible to guard to the point where, I mean, you basically have to, to double or triple team him. And then, you know, we'll talk about later his playmaking. But at that point, if he can make the pass, then, I mean, the defense is pretty much toasted. So I, I just think there's so much to like. Also like the winner's mentality you guys put forth. He, he just does. He does love to attack. Uh, he doesn't get after it nearly quite as much on defense. Again, we'll talk about that uh, when we when we go over uh, his his weaknesses as a player at this point. Do you guys uh, do you guys want to get into the playmaking right now? Because I feel like that's a bit of an understated part of his game too. Um, I mean, uh, I I think that playmaking is is a weakness for him. And it's something that's really going to determine his ceiling. Yeah, I think in the half court, yeah, I would I would certainly agree with that. In transition, I think he made some really good passes. So that's a strength there. I, I think it's just like two completely separate things. You talk about his transition passing, it's excellent. Jalen Green's a transition player. And when you talk about the makeup of the Pistons, we'll talk about that later. Uh, in theory, that's a team that gets a lot of stops, maybe a lot more turnovers. And Jalen Green's exactly the guy that you want, not even just leading the break, just... Get that guy running down the floor. And like you said, Dante, he's a lob threat. Uh, he's going to be maximized on a team where you get him running opportunities because Jalen Green, like you said, absolutely unstoppable on the break. And he's not afraid of contact. It's just a deadly combination. Uh, certainly a guy that you want uh, creating opportunities and leading the way for you. So, yeah, you talk about the passing. I think it's much better there. And I would certainly call that a pro for Jalen Green. Yeah, in transition, he's unstoppable. I mean, he was one of the best transition players in the G League. He, if he gets the ball, uh, you know, if he rebounds the ball, then he's he's definitely fully able to to find guys streaking up the floor, and he's a fairly accurate passer in that situation. If he's not the guy who gets the ball, he's streaking up the floor, and you're gonna have a, a really hard time catching him. Whether or not he get, if if he can catch the ball in full stride and finish effectively, uh, or if the passer is closer to him, he can just go up off two feet, and then he's he's a very easy guy to alley oop the ball to. So, uh, yeah, he's he's uh, what he needs to work on more is, is the half court offense, which is which is understandable. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I agree that playmaking is. Um, I I know Mike, you said it's kind of a weakness for him. I don't know if I fully agree. What I do think is that his passing isn't maybe as good as it could be, or not as good as it should be, given the fact that he attracts a lot of gravity. Um, and I don't think gravity just con- or he has a lot of gravity rather. I don't think that comes just as a shooter. I think that comes when you're a scoring threat and when the defenders sort of drift towards you and they tend to double team you or, you know, maybe abandon their post when you're driving at the basket to come play some help defense, somebody's going to be open. And in those instances, it's very critical. Uh, Jeremy Grant kind of learned to do this as the season goes on when, when you're getting double teamed, someone's open. And so you got to find the open guy. And what I think Green does very, very well, I don't think his passing is only good in transition. I think you can kind of specify it to mean that his passing is good when he's in motion. Um, I think when Green attacks the basket and he draws those defenders, he's shown a very good level of awareness to where he can kind of just drop the ball off to the open guy. And so I think that as he improves as a scoring threat, and like we've already established, you know, his his potentials through the roof, he attracts more defenders. And in that instance, the passing will become easier for him because he doesn't have to thread the needle quite as much. So I, I just think he's a very good passer in motion, and that's something that'll serve him well. And that's going to evolve. So his playmaking is going to evolve as he becomes a better scorer. I think those two things go hand in hand. So I'll leave my discussion of his playmaking for a little bit later. I just want to round out what I see is is just a few more uh, additional strengths of his. One is just his acumen as an all-around shot creator. I mean, a guy really just showed that he can generate shots. I mean, he's not efficient at all these yet in a variety of ways. And granted, this is mid-range offense and uh, 
well, most of it. I mean, he's, he's got, you guys mentioned the step back. That's not, in, it's not easy to get into the position to make that shot. And he did pretty well with it. He did pretty well in that step back three on low volume. Granted, but he's he's definitely got the chops to make it work. But off the dribble, I mean, uh, pull-up jumpers, fadeaway jumpers, turnaround jumpers, and so on and so forth. I mean, he's just got a very diverse skill set. And most guys uh, either just don't have the presence of minds to to, to read and, uh, and make the decision to just use any one of those. And, you know, he's, he's just got any number of shots he can attempt. At least he's got the acumen to attempt. Whether or not he'll ever become efficient at those, it's a different story. But that bears mentioning it's just a testament to his IQ as a scorer and his agility and ability to, to stop and to change speeds. Also his lateral movement, a lateral movement is, is pretty darn good. And, and though he has a way to go as a defender, that'll put him in good stead uh, at the very least. So uh, Tommy, you got, uh, do you guys have anything to add as far as strengths go? Yeah. Uh, as far as the strengths, we, we talked about his three point shot and his creation skills. I think they translate very well, both of them. His three-point shot, we we talked about how that was one of the swing skills I was looking for. Uh, it looks like it's going to move on to the next level very well. His balance on pull-ups and off of uh, off the catch, they both look very good and very consistent. So I have uh, a lot of confidence that that will translate to the next level, and I am very optimistic that when it does, or I guess you could say if it does, uh, it'll make it that much easier for him to get to the basket. So he has all the tools, certainly, to be – a great all-around player and have a variety of, of options on offense. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, so moving on to concerns, uh, we mentioned playmaking. Definitely what I see as, as a major swing skill for him and, and possibly the one that's really going to determine his ceiling as a player. So uh, I think something, uh, which I, I think we all agree, that, that, that an aspect of his game at which he'll excel is getting to the basket. Now, so... Basically, if, if he develops as hoped and, and if downhill scoring turns out to be a major strength of his, which I really believe it will be at the NBA level, he's going to draw additional attention from defenders. A lot of help defense will go his way when he's going to, when he's really going hard at the basket. The center is going to try to stop him and so on and so forth. So this is really where a uh, you know you reach a fork in the road as far as how Jalen Green will operate. So for players who just aren't very gifted playmakers don't have the ability to read or are just too focused on scoring at that point, you just try to drive in anyway and it doesn't work or you pull up and, and take a bad shot and it doesn't work. And that just ruins your efficiency and it wastes a lot of what the gravity that you create a lot of the opportunities that, uh, that that produces. So if you're a player who is able to properly take advantage of that, you don't take the shot because it's a bad shot. But you've definitely opened up. Uh, there are guys open. I mean, either their center has left your center, uh, or or help has come from from elsewhere along the perimeter, and then you're really fully able to take advantage of that and find the open man. And you, it, it's really it's a double plus. You don't take the bad shot, and you get a really good shot for somebody else. If you can't do that, you take the bad shot, and you don't get the good shot for for everyone, you know for somebody else. So. I think that's really going to make a lot of the difference as far as what he develops into at the NBA level. Because in the G League, I was—I uh, don't think his playmaking uh, acumen in the G League was really anything impressive. He had a habit of making, of getting himself in a bad position and making bad passes. Uh, he definitely telegraphed a lot of it. His vision, uh, certainly out of the pick and roll, was not the greatest. A lot of this could just be inexperience. Uh, you know, he's and he's still real youthful. And, and I'm, I'm confident, like I said, I see as one of his major strengths, the fact that he can improve rapidly. So uh, this isn't necessarily, I'm not looking at this necessarily as an, oh my goodness, this is a major concern, but more that this is something that's going to be pretty darned important. And uh, I think it's, I think it's a good probability that it was just uh, not rust, but just lack of polish. But that, that would be a concern of mine because if he can't do it properly, then you know you risk him being one of those really talented but not particularly efficient creators versus a guy who is really talented and when and when he's not able to get his own to his own shot on the way to the basket, it's because there's a lot of defense in front of him, and that defense and the fact that there's a lot of defense in front of him has really broken down that defense and created uh, an excellent opportunity for the offense at large. So probably my primary concern for him is that. About him, rather. Yeah. Yeah. I share that with you, certainly. Um, 
Dante, you mentioned the gravity, certainly. Jalen Green, he's going to have it. And you mentioned that he did make some of those reads, but I think he just didn't do it quite enough to give me confidence that that's something that's in his bag already. Uh, You're definitely going to want to see him take advantage of all these defenders that he's undoubtedly going to draw, you know, especially when he beats his man. Somebody is going to have to come try to cut him off. And at that point, you know, once the help defense is – you know, sliding over, Jalen Green needs to be the type of player who can recognize that he has two people on him, somebody else is open somewhere, and if he can do that, that's how he's going to make the most of his his athleticism and his game overall because a guy that with that kind of burst, you know, you're going to need to maybe put two guys on him to either try to stop him or to to cut him off on the way to the hoop. So certainly uh, the half-court passing, I would say that's a weakness right now. Uh, I don't think he has that yet, and I will definitely be looking for him to uh, add that in the future. Yeah, I just want to reiterate that, like, I mean, you see a lot of guys in the NBA, a lot of guys who are excellent slashers. Like, I know that Zach Levine is the uh, is probably the uh, most common, like, look at Jalen Green. He might be, like, a Zach Levine type player. I'm just going to use Levine as an example of a guy who's an excellent slasher, but he has learned, I, I don't think he's a particularly able playmaker, uh, by any means, but he has learned at least to add that to his toolbox so that when he is faced with a very difficult shot because he has multiple defenders on him, he recognizes when and how to pass the ball rather than being one of those guys who, Mike, I'll say it again, and there have been certainly plenty of these guys uh, always, certainly in the recent past, who just try to attempt the shot anyway. And that there are these guys who just never really developed that sense. And so instead of being... Uh, just excellent offensive players. They're, they're, they're highly talented players who just take a lot of bad shots. And as a result, they just waste what they're fully capable of and they're not very efficient and that's considerably less valuable. So, and, and this is one of the reasons why you've seen a, a great deal of creators in general. Like I'm thinking about Tobias Harris right now, uh, but guys, so Tobias, you guys remember him with the Pistons. It was never really much of a passer. I mean, how much of that was coaching is anybody's guess, but I mean, he was also young and and just still developing and and still is developing, but he's much more of a threat uh, to create offense for somebody else off the dribble. Now he recognizes that, uh, that the gravity he's drawing can open up somebody else and it's better to make the pass than take the bad shot. Now, Jalen Green is really an attacker. He really wants to score. And hopefully that doesn't end up being a weakness. Hopefully, I think he, for whatever reason, this is completely arbitrary. I'm confident he can get that under control. And, and hopefully he develops that, that sense that he needs as well. And not just that sense, but hopefully he develops it at a high level. Yeah, you definitely don't want uh, your prized draft pick suffering from like Josh Jackson syndrome, right? Like, I don't think anybody is going to say that Josh Jackson isn't super talented because he is. But when you tunnel vision it, you know, when you telegraph what you're going to do and then you start drawing multiple defenders, I don't care how talented you are. You could be Josh Jackson. You could be Jalen Green. You could be Michael Jordan. You know, you're not going to blow by defenders every single time. You're not going to get a clear shot every single time. One way or another, whether it's because of health defense or whether it's because of your defender positioning themselves correctly or you just get out muscled, you're going to face some resistance going to the basket. And when you do, I agree with you guys. It's about how you react to it. Now, I think maybe we're viewing Jalen's passing in motion a little bit differently. I think it's good. You guys don't think it's good enough. That's fine. Uh, it's it's up to the observer for sure. And we're going to have to see how that develops. But ultimately, I, I think, and this is kind of another weakness of his too, when he bullies his way in and he is stopped, sometimes he can lose his handle as well, which is not good. Um, I don't know if that's a tunnel vision issue. I don't know if that's a, he just is overwhelmed by what's going on and it, it's it's a general lack of experience, but it is a weakness. I, I agree. He's not optimal when he faces too, too much pressure. And it's like we've already touched on, the better he gets, the more defensive uh, pressure he's going to generate. And, and it's all about how he's going to respond to it. So I, I do agree with you guys. I think that it's uh, something to monitor, but I, I, I kind of touched on this in the Mobley episode. I think our coaching staff is, more than capable of of you know coaching that out of a player because other than Josh Jackson there's really nobody on this roster who plays like selfishly i think players are generally looking to make the smart pass and when they do face too much resistance um or to a level that they can't handle they look to get rid of the ball and i don't think our coaches are going to tolerate um someone we drafted say second or third overall playing like Jackson does um 
So that's kind of something I think is fixable and coachable and something we can work around. Well, I'll just say real quick that, I mean, Josh Jackson is an extreme example of a guy I just don't think, <laughs> I mean, I, I think he's weathered his, uh, his, his less mature impulses to a degree because he used to, used to just be, have a terrible attitude on the floor by all accounts, by really by all accounts that's, that's gone away. I just don't think he has the IQ to read and react. I think he's, he's very, very far on the low end of the scale in, in terms of that particular skill. Oh, I agree. He's one of the worst passers I've ever seen. And green is not that bad of a passer, but just in general, if you kind of got what I was going for there. No, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think Josh Jackson has the IQ for it. I don't think that's a concern with Jalen. Um, I, I do think when it comes to coaching, like uh, you can coach Josh Jackson as much as you want. I don't think, I just don't think he has that st- the, uh, the basketball IQ ceiling to really ever be much better at that. But I, I don't think that's a concern for Jalen. But, you know, I mean, obviously we, we haven't seen him play at the NBA level, but Josh Jackson is really like an, uh, an outlier, like an extreme example, at the, in my opinion, at the bottom of that scale. Yeah, I would say Jalen's issues aren't really that he's an unwilling passer. I think there's a certain point on his drives where he's kind of decided that he's going to, you know, try to score. And at that point, there's usually, he's usually in the trees, and at that point, he's struggling. I think recognizing that he's got the defenders coming earlier would be something that he'd have to work on. And at that point, uh, he would make much better use of this decent passing vision that he should. I think he it really excels, and you really get to see the best of it in transition again. But in the half court, uh, he definitely has to uh, learn to recognize these double teams and the hedges earlier. And at that point, he'll be able to make the most of his passing. Yeah, I like I said, I don't, I don't think it's a matter of not being willing. I think here's here's what I think about a lot of Jalen Green's weaknesses. And, and maybe some of you who are bigger Mobley fans will think, well, you're, you're being a, a lot easier on Jalen Green than you were on Mobley. And in a way, I am sorry, <laughs> but I think it's. It, it comes of my my confidence that a lot of the wrinkles in his game will be ironed out with maturity. And I think this is one of them. I think this is a guy who, yeah, you see him. He drives into traffic. He runs into two guys, and he just turns the ball over because he doesn't know what to do. I don't think it's an issue of poor decision-making at that point. I think it's just an issue of inexperience. And like I said, I just, I just think very, just based on what he did in the G League, I think very highly of his ability to to read, to recognize what he needs to improve upon, and to do the work. He just seems to have a very facile mind in that in, in that respect. And like I said, a willingness to learn as well. Uh, I just out of a desire to uh, to be the best <laughs> or to <laughs> or to do what he wants to be able to do what he wants to do, which is of course to uh, to, to score. So I, I think that will be I think that's an issue more of an experience and, and of lack of polish than, than of lack of, of court vision or, or tunnel vision mentality. But it's still something, of course, he needs to work on. Yeah, the reports of his work ethic are really good. Uh, and I think the fact that he chose you know, maybe the low-key option of the G League, I know that you get paid like half a million dollars, and that's probably a factor for an 18-year-old. But I think that he's, the fact that he chose that option and opted to take the program that he thought would translate better to his pro career uh, is a positive. And I, yeah, I, I think that kind of transitions a little bit into his defense. Cause one of my favorite things uh, in terms of like learning more about prospects is uh, the film sessions that he, that Mike Schmitz does uh, with prospects where they kind of go over their film and Jalen green did this. And it was maybe a few months ago. Like it was either right before the G league season or right after, but they were showing him clips of his defense uh, that were two months old. And he was just like shocked at like what he was doing. He was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that my defense used to look like that. And this is just two months old. Like he clearly has learned a lot there. And I think right now defense is probably one of his weaknesses now, relatively speaking. It's, I don't even think that it's that bad. It's just, it's not his calling card. And certainly uh, a, a big part of playing defense is, you know, wanting to play defense. And he even talked about that. I, I'm not super confident that Jalen Green wants to play you know, heavy defense 100% of the time. So maybe that's another concern. Uh, I, it's not that I question his mentality or his desire to win. It's just pretty difficult for some people, for most guys in the NBA, honestly, to try to play defense uh, for the entire game. Yeah, one of the things I love most about him is that uh, his weaknesses are kind of nitpicky, in my opinion. And and I've heard quite a bit about, you know, his defense isn't great. But I agree with you, Tommy. I don't think it's a concern. I think he's a fine defender. I think on ball, he's 
generally pretty good. He's got the athletic tools to stay in front of his guy. And like, obviously, you know, Dennis Rodman will tell you defense is, is a lot of it is willingness, right? And, and he's certainly a willing defender. Um, I think he gives 100% pretty much every time he's on that end of the floor. But one thing and one of the minutiae of his game that really limits him uh, from being a, a plus defender is that he just, and you know, I you talk about that film session, maybe this has changed and maybe this will be different by the time he gets to the NBA, but he just cannot navigate around screens or traffic at all. Um, there are times where you'll be watching a game tape of his and, it, and it's funny you could see what's coming a mile away. Like he's very hyper fixated on the ball handler and he's kind of glued to their hip a lot of the time, but he just doesn't keep his head up. And then he'll smack into somebody who's setting a screen or just general traffic in and around the restricted area. And I'm, I'm not kidding. There, there are plays that I've watched where I genuinely think like I could do a better job of avoiding those, those screens and those bodies because he's just so hyper fixated that he doesn't even, he's just not very spatially aware. Um, He tunnel visions it a little bit and that's, but again, that's a minutia, right? That's a small part of his game that, in my opinion, I think it's as, it might just be as easy as Dwayne Casey being like, hey, Jalen, keep your head up. When you're chasing the ball handler, keep your head up. Watch for any screens. That might fix it. Um, so really, that's the only thing. But it does prevent him from carrying along with his man all the way to the basket. You know, he doesn't generate quite as many blocks as you'd like of someone that athletic. And that's because he generally doesn't carry his man all the way because he gets caught up in the traffic. So, but again, I think that's fixable. I would say, I mean, he looks pretty unpolished as a defender. It doesn't look to me like he's just, uh, that he's a low IQ defender by any means. I don't think he's a high IQ defender either. I think a lot of the mistakes he makes are again, can be ironed out with experience, you know, whether it's him making poor reads on the pick and roll as a defender or just not necessarily knowing exactly where he should be. It's worth mentioning again that, I mean, this is a kid who like basically going to the, to the ignite is as close to prep to pro as you're going to get in the NBA right now. Of course you can't go straight to the NBA out of college. You can go to the ignite now and so you're going from high school to the G League is a significantly larger leap than from high school to the NCAA. So I, I think it is in part a question of seasoning. I do think that he's not quite that he was not in the G League quite as engaged on defense as he was on offense. I, I, I don't think I certainly don't think he has it within him to be uh, really a, a lockdown or harrying defender. But I think that he has it within him to at the very least be a defender who is competent not a liability and, and and can go out and do his job. He's, he's, he's just, when you look at his overall athleticism, his quickness uh, and his, his lateral mobility, those will all serve him well on the defensive ends. I don't think that's, uh, I don't think he's a dumb defender by any means. So I, I think with just better seasoning, he, he can go out there and, and be, you know, maybe even a slightly plus defender, but at the very least a guy who is not going to be, who's going to do his job fine. He's not going to be targeted. Uh, that said, there's one aspect that, that could be an issue. If he does not add strength, then he will be targeted by other teams on switches against much more physical opponents, particularly uh, closer to the basket, because at six, five, like uh, and shy of 180 pounds, that's a guy you go out of your way to bully, uh, especially if you can, if you can switch on him and, and get him into the post, uh, you just, you, you know, at, at that point, it's just a matter of, uh, <laughs> you know, mass and force and he's going to lose that battle. But I think that's, I think that's fixable. And I have more confidence that he will be able to put on uh, a significant amount of strength than I do with Mobley because I, I, Mobley, I think is just naturally lanky green. I just think is right now is thin. Well, Mobley slander aside and listen, my internet's working perfectly fine. So I won't stand for that this episode. So <laughs> but as far as, uh, as far as green is concerned, I completely agree with you. I don't see a world where Jalen is a negative defender. I think his physical tools are just too overwhelming uh, for him to ever really be bad on that end. And in the absence of him putting on even a moderate amount of more weight and more strength, I don't think he'll be targeted for switches if he's just able to stop those more physical defenders. And I also agree that he's not a dumb defender. I don't think he's dumb at all. Uh, I guess there may be question marks about his level of engagement, but I mean, you see this with James Harden too, like someone who carries that much of an offensive load. It's tough both mentally and physically to stay 1 million percent engaged on the defensive end. And will that prevent him from being like an MVP type player? I don't know. 
I think he has that ceiling, but all of those little tiny issues on defense, I think are hundred percent correctable just with honestly pairing him with a coach who's worth his salt, which I think Dwayne Casey and the rest of our developmental staff is. So I'm not too, too concerned about him on that end. And overall, he, he has good potential as a two-way player. I think he does. Well, I would say when it comes to just athletic gifts, we've seen, I think, plenty of guys in the NBA who are who are well above average athletically but still struggle on defense, Just even if they're trying just because they have poor IQ. Again, I don't think that's going to be – I don't think that's a concern with Green. I don't, I don't think he has elite-level defensive IQ by, you know, by any stretch, but I don't think he has liability-level defensive IQ either. Uh, and he's just overall a smart player. <laughs> I just, I should mention, yeah, you're right. That's that it's not easy to carry a huge offensive load and and still be great on the defensive ends. It's not that it can't be done. It's just harder to do. We saw that with Jeremy Grant this year, who was just, who just handled such a, a, a large share of, of the creation on offense and also just got completely flattened on his way to the basket. So many times drawing fouls, just, just based on, on, on how he approaches his, his drives to the basket. He's just, he puts himself in position to get flattened. And uh, it, it did reflect itself on the defensive end. He was a good defender, but uh, not as good as he had been with the Nuggets when he had a much smaller role or, you know, much less energy intensive role on offense. There are guys who do it, but, uh, you know, so it can be done. But whatever the case, when it comes to Harden, I mean, his, his defensive effort, he, he's gotten better over the years, but his defensive effort used to just be pathetic, <laughs> like, like completely awful. He, he just, he barely even tried. People made highlight reels of his horrible defense. And uh, so th- that I would say with Harden is just, is more of an issue of just not caring. But so I, I think it can be done. I mean, I, I think that excuses are made for, for certain players. It's like, oh, you're working so on an offense, you don't have the energy for defense. And I don't, I don't think that's true. Uh, I, I think that it's, it's just a question of the player. And it is a question of conditioning, but it's, it's a question of the player. Uh, of course, you had one case in which you could somewhat excuse it was Reggie Jackson because he had asthma. That really actually was an issue. Yeah, it was, it was an issue and that you didn't want to play him too many minutes, but also especially when he was in that one year when he was handling a tremendous amount of the offensive creation prior to his injury. It's like at that point you can say, well, well, I guess, I guess actually it didn't impact his defense. What it did impact was that he had no transition game of any kind because he had to catch his breath going up the floor. But uh, I, I digress. So yeah, I don't think he'll ever, I don't think green will ever be a really a notably plus defender, but I think he has the smarts and the athleticism. Uh, and, and I think the work ethic though, he wasn't quite as engaged on defense uh, maybe that's just a function of youth, but uh, like you said, on this team, that's there's there's definitely an emphasis put on buying in and and whatever. I don't think Green has any glaring uh, flaws in mentality, and I think that's you toss him on a team that's already built up this uh, in only a single year built up this sort of culture uh, in terms of just hard work and, and certainly competing on defense. You know, I, I think that'll do well for him. I, I certainly, absolutely, by no means whatsoever, think he's the kind of player who's just, uh, you know, has his, has a bad attitude and is always going to stay that way. I think in terms of defense, it's just a matter of not being as engaged as he should be. But I, I don't think that's the product of uh, of a bad mentality. Yeah, you read my mind, Mike. Uh, I was just going to bring up if if Jalen Green ends up on the Pistons, the issues with engagement and maybe not wanting it enough. I think that they would go away a little bit just because everybody on this team works so hard. But before we get to that, I'm, I'm sure there, there's really only one other weakness that I'm thinking of if, if you want to go over that before we get to the fit with the Pistons. I would just say it's the mid-range. He doesn't have that yet. I think his pull-up jumper in the mid-range looks good. I don't know about the percentages. I, I think that's something you can certainly add, but it will take time. I think uh, we, we looked at some of the stats earlier, and it's not great, uh, but I'm just not worried about it. I think he has the ability to, you know, attack, stop where he wants and pull up. It's just going to be a matter of actually hitting the shots. Uh, they look fine to me. And on 15 game sample size, playing the G league with one other very high level prospect and a bunch of other, uh, you know, former NBA players. I don't know if it's just because I wanted to see more of Jalen green or if it was because they actually were ignoring him a bit, but I always felt like, you know, they should run more through Jalen green. Uh, so the sample size wasn't great. And yeah, that's certainly a factor, but I, I certainly think that, uh, Jalen Green needs to improve in the mid-range and add something there to be that three-level scorer that uh, wherever he goes, you know, that's that's what they're going to be looking for from him so he can be that ultimate, you know, Swiss Army knife, attack you from anywhere, hurt you from anywhere. 
Yeah, I would say I completely agree. There's really no no in between game to speak of at the moment. It uh, the failure to develop to develop that. I mean, it'd be a shame. It wouldn't be as big of an issue as it would be for say Jalen Suggs, who is quite athletic, but you know is is nowhere on on Jalen Green's level in that respect. Uh, it would it would just go from him being very difficult to guard to him being virtually impossible to guard. Uh, that said, I think this brings up a final weakness uh, that I believe bears mention, which is his shot selection. It's not horrible; he doesn't have awful shot selection by any means, but he attempts a lot of a lot of difficult offense. And in in the G League, maintaining his efficiency, which is decent efficiency, really dependent upon him hitting some really difficult shots. And I think, you know, if, if he grows into the guy who can just make those shots, then fantastic. There aren't many guys who can do that. Like I said, many guys who can make uh, self-created mid-range offense efficient is very rare. If he can do that, I mean, great. That just that elevates him that much further. But in the NBA, you want to see him take less of those shots. But uh, I don't think, uh, again, maybe you listen to this and say, well, you're giving so much of the benefit of the doubt to Green, and maybe you're right. I, I just I have a good feeling about him. I, I think that's it's not uh, it's not like, say, Anthony Edwards in college who had additional issues. I, I think that it's just a matter of, of, uh, of experience, just ironing those, those shots out. Okay, so let's move on to Jalen Green's fit with the Pistons. So, Dante, what are your thoughts about that? I think the pairing with Killian Hayes is really nice. You know, if you thought Hayes to Diallo lobs were good, well, <laughs> imagine the Hayes to Green lobs. And, and it's like I said, uh, in the G League there, Jalen's team sort of molded a lot of their transition game around his strength. You know, his ability to just, he takes these big, long strides and he outpaces his opponents and he can get up and he can grab a lob. So I think that would present a new wrinkle. You know, that would be something that the Pistons can now throw at defenses. And overall, I think that he's a very nice match with the Pistons, maybe better than anybody in this class, not named Cade Cunningham, who can just kind of fit anywhere in any lineup. But Green, yeah, I think he would slot in nicely at the two. I think a backcourt with him and Hayes would be adequate defensively because Hayes I think is a good defender in green I believe that those shortcomings on defense we were talking about it's exactly like Tommy said can sort of be you know alleviated a little bit just by being in a good defensively oriented team environment um, and aside from that yeah he's he, he's a really good fit not least in the fact that we're still looking for that go-to scorer and Mike this has been your thing you've been saying this for four or five six episodes now going like a long time that the Pistons need a superstar they need the go-to guy. They need someone who's going to realistically put a championship in their crosshairs, someone who could be the best player on a championship team. And Green fits that very, very well without displacing any of these guys who we want to be foundational pieces. So whereas I love Evan Mobley, that of course brings up question marks with, well, what about Isaiah Stewart? You know, where does Mobley play? Where does he play? How does that pairing sort of work? Green doesn't have any such questions, you know. You put Green at the two, you start him day one. Ideally, he's basically there as your two guard for the next next 15 years, and I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility at all. I think that he's a, a stellar fit, honestly, and I feel like you guys would agree with me. Yeah, I certainly agree that he, he would fit seamlessly into the Pistons. I've made this disclaimer before, and I'll make it again, sure, with the Pistons, you aren't drafting overly much for fit. I still do think it's it, it becomes more of a more of a consideration than it would be where the Pistons planning on being terrible next year too, where you've got several years to accumulate talent. But uh, whatever the case, yeah, I'd, I'd say Green certainly there are no concerns at all. You put him next to next to Killian in the backcourt, I think he'll be fine. I think he would actually be a very good fit or just a very good partner for Killian in the backcourt because, I mean. I think we can accept, uh, I, I believe at this point, uh, and, and this, we'll put it this way, Killian's ability to penetrate and attack the basket was always going to be contingent upon a lot of things. And even, even if those things all came together, uh, which would be his ability to shoot uh, pull-ups from the perimeter and his, his development of uh, you know pull-up jump shot and, and a very good in-between game to compensate for his pretty below-average athleticism that those would really be necessary to unlock him on the way to the basket. He's just, he's not the best suited to get into the basket, but he is absolutely excellent in terms of his vision and his, his ability to pass both on the strong side and the weak side. Uh, well, I don't think strong side is really a term, but he can certainly, uh, he's certainly a good weak side passer and he needs to work on his right hand. Obviously that goes without saying, but uh, I could see him coming off of screens and being able to easily find Jalen Green off the move, off the move, Jalen Green being a very good off ball mover, and, and being able to find Jalen 
in spots where, again, Green can just take the ball and immediately attack. Uh, so I think that they would be a pretty good complement to each other, particularly as Killian is more than happy to pass the ball. He's uh, he's we've seen it maybe to a fault. I just I, I think it would be a good fit, and and this is random, but I'm just right now thinking about the Pistons fielding a small ball lineup of uh, of Killian, Jalen Green, uh, Sadiq Bay at the three, Hamadou Diallo, assuming he develops a jump shot at the four, and Jeremy Grant playing center. Uh, that's, uh, that this is completely random, but it really, it sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> you threw me off there. That does sound amazing. Um, yeah, when I think about that lineup or, uh, whether it's Jeremy uh, at the five or Isaiah Stewart at the five, uh, I, I really like the idea of having a spacing five and having all those lanes for Jalen Green to get to the basket. And uh, I think the fit between Jalen Green and Killian Hayes is intriguing. It certainly depends on Killian getting his stuff together in terms of, penetrating to the basket, but the idea of that working out, uh, I, I'm really excited about the potential there because Jalen Green is lightning fast on his feet and Killian throws bullet passes. Uh, I think if you make that work, you know, if you can get uh, Jalen Green moving off ball, uh, that's a deadly one-two punch right there, especially with, you know, you think about Isaiah Stewart, you know, if he can space out to the three-point line, uh, you have just fantastic driving lanes for Jalen Green. And that's how you, that's like Dante, you talked about <laughs> Killian Hayes to Jalen Green lobs. That would bring the house down. <laughs> and I would just love to see that because I think, you know, with Killian's passing vision, you mentioned it, it's just fantastic. And, you, and, and Dante, I sent you this clip, I, I sent Dante a clip of this yesterday. Jalen Green is, it was, it was, they were in Walnut Creek uh, practicing and Jalen Green had a defender on him and his defender was just looking off him for just a moment and Jalen recognizes that, and as soon as he does, he zips to the basket, and it doesn't look real how quickly he moves. I think people are going to be thrown off by that, honestly. But if he can, if he can bring that to the Pistons, you know that's that's where you get like the creation that this team is kind of desperately lacking right now. Uh, you have a guy who's going to mix it up and create mismatches, and you know he's going to take advantages of those those half seconds where a defender wasn't paying attention. And that's what the Pistons need right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think he has that capacity to be the, the superstar creator from the perimeter that any team really needs. Any, any team with championship aspirations needs. I would say with Killian, of course, it's well Killian's career in the NBA in general, I would say will hinge upon his ability or lack thereof to become a viable perimeter shooter. I mean, even just off the catch and shoot, that's mandatory for almost everybody. And then Killian is, is in that mandatory group but when it comes to playing with green of course you you want you want maximum spacing period but the more spacing you can put around a player like green the better i would say green with this ability to create uh also just i mean he, he makes things it would make things easier for everybody else including say sadiq bay who kind of struggles to attack the basket on his own but if he's got more of an open lane and can build up some speed then he's a much better setting uh of course jeremy grants would be freed from needing to create anywhere near as much offense and and really just green's ability to break down the defense just make things so much easier on everybody else the pistons really struggled this last year it didn't matter they were not trying to win but there was a distinct lack of anybody who could really break down defenses and so the offense struggled i mean that's that's just how it is if you don't have somebody who can do that then you're forced to create difficult offense out of nothing so that's that. Of course, just anybody of this level of talent would be will be necessary for the Pistons in order to contend, and and Green, I believe, can bring that. Yes, yeah, certainly, certainly. And to be honest, I don't think I gushed enough about the fit, um, especially when Tommy was talking just now. It kind of uh, got the gears turning a little about the what it what it would be like to have Killian and 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 Green on the court at the same time. You know, I really harped on the lobs, but it's not just lobs. And I think it's funny you brought up Tommy the clip that you sent me. Because Green has this otherworldly ability to sense when there's a scoring opportunity and then he just takes off like lightning and he gets into space and then boom, he dunks it, boom, he finishes, uh, he gets an open shot, whatever the case may be. And you talk about Killian throwing bullet passes. He doesn't just throw hard and quick passes. He reacts quickly. Like Killian recognizes these scoring opportunities before they even happen. He's that gifted of a, of a passer. You know, he's got that great or that high level of vision. And Green is someone who meshes with him really well in that aspect. He recognizes those situations quick. Killian recognizes them quick. And therefore, you kind of put that together. And what do you have? Well, what you have is, in my opinion, as they currently are, 
Killian in a vacuum and Green in a vacuum, a great fit. At their fullest potential, a championship winning fit. Seriously, like I can't imagine Killian with scoring acumen, you know, if he learns to penetrate a little better and he takes some of the, uh, you know, he forces defenders to kind of come at him a little harder, thereby opening up everyone else. I think that that combined with Green at his full potential is, I, I, I have to go take a cold shower. I do. I have to go take a cold shower right now. I'm going to stop. Someone else go. <laughs> so I would say that uh, that they, I mean, I've already said it, that I think believe they could mesh very well provided Killian gets his shot in order. I think that Green can help to compensate for some of what, what will probably be Killian's long-term issues of penetrating the basket. I don't think he'll be, uh, hopefully he won't be awful at it, but I don't think he's a player who's, who's really well-suited to be good at it. Uh, and I also think that that Killian can help to unlock Green by giving him uh, just excellent opportunities to attack off the ball. Uh, I'm hoping like really, really hoping that Killian will not end up as Alonzo Ball, sort of three and D point guard, uh, because I just, I think that would be a disappointing outcome. And I hope Killian can attack off the dribble effectively to a degree. But uh, I think that, and and I'll say the disclaimer that the fit is completely unimportant when it comes to this particular comparison. Uh, I think that the fit would conceivably be better between uh, Killian and Green and Killian and, and Cade Cunningham, just because of, uh, just because of Green's greater ability to to move explosively off the ball. Of course, if Cunningham, the Pistons pick first, if Cunningham is available, you take him anyway. You don't care about this sort of thing. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's, it's how things currently appear with just just how much potential Cade has. Uh, but you know, I, we'll say it anyway. Yeah, the uh, the um, I just I just think the fit has the capacity to be very good. And defensively, yeah, Killian's a smart defender. Green has the capacity to be a, to, to be a, a, a decent defender. I don't think defense would be an issue, but. Just with the the with the with Killian's passing acumen, with his vision, and with his unselfishness, and having absolutely no uh, no qualms about playing off the ball, yeah, I, I think uh, well, not playing off the ball, giving up the ball, I'll put it that way, uh, to somebody, and then playing off the ball, yeah, I, I think you're looking at a potentially potent combination, and like I've said, could make things a lot easier for everybody else too. I mean, Green on his own when when he is on the ball, or even when he gets the ball. Uh, off a curl and attacks, he is capable uh, certainly of making those easy reads to somebody uh, like Stewart or Grant. Uh, and Grant is, this was, I think, largely forgotten, uh, or not largely forgotten, just not seen last season because he was playing on the ball so much. Grant himself is a significant lob threat. He's very long and he's a very good jumper. So if you'd seen it, see a different dimension uh, from Jeremy Grant in general in, 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 uh, in the coming years, but uh, that, that's just an additional weapon I believe Green would bring to the floor with the current lineup. I, I might even take it a step further and say that, of course, Mike, you're absolutely right. You get the number one pick. You don't even think about it. You run to the podium. You pick Cade Cunningham because he raises the ceiling of your team. But I don't know if there's a player um, that actually would alter like dramatically the individual careers of the players around him more than Green. I just think it makes everybody's job so much easier. And, and Killian, obviously, is the um, the most apparent one where his fit with Green is so exceptional, especially if they both reach their full potential, that Killian's career could, could drastically change. The, how he's viewed as a player, it, it, it could be so different if he has such a perfect partner like that. I, I can't think of a better duo. You know, I really can. And we talked about this right at the beginning of the episode. There really isn't a prospect as exciting as Jalen Green, you know? Cade's game is very subtle and he's amazing to watch. Don't get me wrong, but Green is flashy. He's explosive. He's electric. He makes the impossible possible. And so not only would he sell out the arena, I really think that he would, but he might kind of get the Pistons, you know, a little more notoriety and a little more attention in the national media with, which depending on how you look at it could be a good thing or a bad thing, but it's always nice to be talked about. And, and I just think the potential of having someone like Green on this team is so tantalizing that, you know, even if we don't win the lottery, say we get two or three, I won't be that upset. I really won't. I just, I, I am that big a fan of his. And I think the fit is just so great that it's pretty much the best consolation prize you could ever ask for. If we get two or three, I'll just be worried that they picked Mobley. I won't be able to relax for that n- next month. You know, we <laughs> almost got through a full episode without you grinding my gears. We almost did, but not quite now. Not quite. <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll both, uh, well, all three of us will have plenty to say about about Cade Cunningham and what will be our, our fourth draft episode uh, coming up next week. 
and also, uh, that will be posted not too long before the draft lottery itself, which is coming up on the 22nd. So uh, in any event, uh, thus endeth our deep dive into Jalen Green. As always, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time.